and welcome to the Psychology Report. Today I have a uh, particularly uh, important but interesting topic, and that relates to criminality of our young people. Why are some children criminals and others are not? Why do some join gangs and others do not? What is the root cause of violent criminal behavior? How does one become a criminal? What's the origin and what's the pathway to become a criminal? Well, we turn to some research that was uh, conducted by Patrick Fagan, F-A-G-A-N, Patrick Fagan. He has his degrees in sociology and psychology and uh, was head of the uh, medical school and director of the Child and Family Institute at McGill University in Montreal and held a number of positions of honor and uh, prestige and intellect in a number of institutions. You know, his work has primarily focused on this question, the life of the future violent criminal. How does he become a criminal? And uh, Dr. Fagan uh, identifies five stages that lead to criminality or that result in criminality. And uh, these are profound. So what I'd like you to do is just kind of sit back and listen. I'm going to read off a whole list of uh, characteristics and uh, stages of life and events that take place in children who become criminals, who become violent criminals, who become gang members. Now, start off right from the beginning. It's not black or white. It's not racial. It's not education level. You know, it's not whether one comes from a up, upper economic level or a lower economic level. It's not that. It's whether one is educated or not. It's not that. In other words, it's not the things we blame it on and feel good about. It's about the breakdown of the family. It's the absence of a family. It's the absence of a, of a father. It's the absence of putting together an intact family and keeping it together for the sake of a child. Stage one. Here's a first stage one out of five stages. When a future violent criminal is born, his father is already abandoned the mother. His parents are married. They are likely to be divorced in three years if they're married. He is raised in a neighborhood with high concentration of single family parents, or single parent families, I should say. He does not become securely attached to his mother during the critical early years of life. His child care frequently changes, often absent altogether. The adult in, in his life frequently quarrels. The adults in his life frequently quarrel and went and uh, vent their frustrations physically. That is, physical violence in the home. He or a member of his family may suffer one or more forms of abuse, including sexual abuse. There's harshness in the home. He becomes hostile, anxious, and hyperactive. He is difficult to manage at age three and is frequently labeled a problem child. At age three, so stage one, we see in these first three years of life, a kid is vulnerable, he's weak, he's without structure, he's without solidarity, he's without consistency, he's without love, he's without support, and he's without an intact family. He moves on to stage two. This is sometimes called the embryonic gang that, place, that is placed before him. So by age five or six, here we are. His behavior continues to, do, to deteriorate rapidly. He satisfies his needs by exploiting others. 
By age five or six, he hits his mother. The first grade, in first grade, his aggressive behavior causes problems for other children. He is difficult for school officials to handle. Special programs need to be implemented. He is socially rejected at school by the normal children. He searches for and finds acceptance among similarly aggressive and hostile children. In other words, birds of a feather. He and his friends are slow at school. They fail at verbal tasks that demand abstract thinking and at learning social and moral concepts. His reading scores trail behind the rest of his class. He has, he has lessening interest in school, less interest in teachers, less interest in learning. By now, he and his friends have low educational and life expectations for themselves. These low expectations are reinforced by teachers and family members. Poor supervision at home continues. His father or father's substitute is still absent and might even be changing rapidly and often. He is now a, now a primary characterized by his own aggressive behavior, his aggressive peers, and his hostile home life. That's stage two. This is just emerging now. This is a, a violent kid emerging. You can just see how it's becoming uh, impossible for the school and for the home and for the community to bring this kid under control. Uh, that's now around age five, six, seven, eight. Now we go on to stage three, which is right around age 10. This is when he joins a delinquent gang. At age 11, his bad habits and attitudes are well established. By age 15, he engages in criminal behavior. His companions are the main source of his personal identity and his sense of belonging. Life with, this, with his delinquent friends is hidden from adults. He's a secret gang member. Even his parents don't know, if he has parents, or his mother doesn't know. The number of delinquent acts increases every year, and he and his friends drop out of school. His delinquent girlfriends have poor relationships with their mothers, as well as with normal girls in the school. In other words, he chooses girls that are like himself, rejected, and have no base and no common acceptance. Many of his peers use drugs. Many, especially the girls, run away from home or just drift along. So here we are around 10 to 12, 13 years of age or so. That's stage three. You can see how it's getting worse. It's getting, he's getting entrenched. You can see now where his friendships have shifted from the mother or the home to the streets or to the community or to the neighborhood. By age 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, right in that time frame. And here we go to age to stage four. When he starts committing violent crimes in age four, or stage four, his violent growth and his his violence grows in the community with increased number of single parent families. In other words, he's living in a community with single parent families, and there's a lot of people who are engaged in the same kind of criminal behavior as he. He purchases a gun. At first, it's mainly for his own self-defense. He and his peers begin to use violence and exploitation. The violent men in his delinquent peer group are arrested more than the nonviolent criminals, but most of them do not get caught at all. So he's hanging around now men older than himself that are also delinquent 
and who are now becoming part of the judicial system. Gradually, different friends specialize in different types of crime than violence or theft. Some are more versatile than others. In other words, some can get by with it and some don't. The girls are involved in prostitution, while the other boys are members of criminal gangs. So here you are, right at the age of 15, 16 years of age, and it's deep in the heart of gang life. And you can see that his whole social context is that of gang-oriented. Similar people who bond together, who now become their own family. They now become their own support group. They now become a unified group among themselves based on a life of criminality. They've dropped out of all the normal patterns of life, school and church and neighborhood and home, and now they have formed their own little sub-community within their neighborhood. And then we move on to stage five. It's a new child and a new generation of criminals is born. That's stage five. His 16-year-old girlfriend is pregnant. He has no thought of marrying her. Among his peers, there simply is no one who marries. They stay, stay together for a while until the shouting and hitting starts. He leaves her and does not see the baby anymore. One or two of his criminal friends are real experts in their field. In other words, he's hanging around with expert criminals, and he learns criminality from them. And only a few members of the group in which he now belongs, that, that is called career criminals, are caught. They commit hundreds of crimes per year and get a buy with it. And every time you commit a crime and get by with it, you're emboldened to do another one and another one to the point where you can believe you're invincible. You can believe that you can do anything and not be caught. So the violence increases. Crime increases. Severity increases. And most of the crime he and his friends commit are basically in their own neighborhood. These are not people who are going across town and across the state or across the country to commit crimes. They're committing crimes in their own neighborhood. So you live in a neighborhood of, of single parents and single families and with kids who are in trouble and can't learn and are not working in school and are dropouts from society and are engaging in social behavior with each other and learning from each other and they're learning a, a lifestyle of criminality. And then they begin to commit crimes together. And then they bond together in a group which we now call gangs. So that's how violent behavior comes about. As you can see, it has nothing to do with race. It has nothing to do with the education, other than the lack of education or the lack of any educational credential. But it isn't only among them. Even those that go to school and live in this kind of environment follow this similar kind of a pattern. But we have these kids now who are vulnerable. The school can't reach them. School has basically washed their hands of them. Dad's gone. He hasn't around whatsoever. Many other men come into their life and have play no role of a father whatsoever, no role of a disciplinary, no role of structure in their life, and they're left alone. And they find themselves organizing themselves among career criminals, most of which are a little older than themselves, almost like a father figure. Anybody who's only a couple of years older can be a father figure to them. And when you're a father figure, you begin then to follow their patterns of life, their patterns of behavior. So you hang around criminal behavior, adult criminal behavior, expert criminal behavior, and you follow that same pathway yourself. And hence we have now the, the, the violent criminal 
kid in our neighborhood, in our communities, across our country, because we have the absence of an intact family home. We have the absence of fathers who have just walked away from their kids, and walked away from responsibility. And we have mothers who cannot control them, who are living on welfare, trying to work, trying to handle their kids, have several children, can't manage their own life, going in and out of boyfriend relationships. And the kid just becomes an unwanted necessity. And he lives on his own and takes care of himself. And these are the kids. They're lost generation. Whatever potential they may have had or do have, it will not be forever uh, corralled and developed and harnessed for the good of society and for the, their own personal good. You'll be lost along with the lost generation. This is a tough story, but this is the life of how, how one becomes a criminal. This is the pathway. This is the sidewalk. This is the street. This is the road to violent crime and the road to gang behavior and gang identity and gang membership. And if we do anything at all, it's the question of can we somehow bring about the restoration of a family life in the home? Can we bring together a home? Sometimes we have to create them. We used to have them in the form of foster homes, and we had them in the form of group homes. We had them in the form of, of um, master home life. And uh, many, many different research studies have been done in trying to create homes for kids that have all worked to some degree. But now we don't have funding. Now we don't have anybody doing that. We don't have the uh, legal freedom to do that kind of thing anymore, other than to place them in foster homes and group homes with, without a father, without a mother, but just with some kind of a caretaker, often their own age or just a few years older than themselves. That's not a mother. That's not a father. We need group homes where there's a mother and there's a father and there's an intact family that is living in that home together with six kids or four kids or whatever it might be. The answer is not putting them in a group home with six kids and somebody who is 20 years of age taking care of them for eight hours a day and then somebody else who's 19 years of age taking care of them for eight hours a day and then somebody else who's 30 who's taking care of them for the evening, if you will. Single parents, single families, single students, those are the ones that usually are the caretakers. We need homes where there's a mother and there's a father and a group of children living together in kind of a master home. That's what I call a master home. So that's what states can do. That's the answer. Good to have you with me, and um, this has been the Psychology Report. I uh, welcome you to watch the television program coming up on centralvalleytalk.com, centralvalleytalk.com, next Saturday, and it's at 10 o'clock in the morning on centralvalleytalk.com, the online television program, Doctor, Teach Me to Parent. And we're going to be looking at dysfunctional and functional families and how they're different from each other and some of the ways that families can be strengthened and made into a, uh, a force of good uh, for their children. So join me at that time. If you will, I'll be welcoming to see you. Okay, bye for now. Thanks much. Bye.